Are you ready? You better get ready. Get ready to dive into the heart of local sports action. Broadcasting live from the heartland of Missouri, welcome to the SEMO Scramble on SEMO ESPN. Get set. Because it's time to catch up on the latest local highlights, in-depth analysis, and interviews from the Blue Deal and beyond. Here we go. And welcome in. Good Saturday morning to you. Clay Harrell, Rusty Hendricks are on the SEMO Scramble. That is SEMO ESPN, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at dot com. Clay, how's it going, man? A little bit uh, under the weather, but we're battling out here, Rusty. We uh, had a busy night last night covering some high school basketball and back to the grind this morning. That uh, That flu bug. Has been kind of going around, you know. I'm hoping it's not the flu, but uh, well, uh, I'm hoping for your sake it's not the flu as well because we were <laughs> together last night and tonight and this morning. But uh, yeah, it was a good night of basketball last night. A lot of games in the area, and we're here to to recap them all. Well, let's start there. High school basketball that is kind of the main sport going on right now in the area, and a lot of good games last night. I'll start with a few here. Just give a few scores, and Clay, I'll, I'll kind of ask you if maybe any of these games or scores stand out, and then we'll touch base on the game that both of us covered last night. So I'll start here. East Prairie taking on Bloomfield. Pretty good team. They, uh, I think they were, what, third place or fifth place champions in the Bloomfield Christmas tournament, I forget. But a 55-42 winner against Bloomfield. Uh, we saw Metal Heights winning over Oran, 82-76. to Oak Ridge, 66-51 over Scott County Central. Uh it was Sykeston with a big win over Charleston, a rivalry game, 89-43 to at the Fieldhouse in Sykeston. Malden coming off that championship of the Bloomfield Christmas Tournament. They defeat South Pym, 70-67, to a close game there. Um, it was Scott City winning over their rival in Chaffee, 66-57. Jackson with a conference win over Kennett, 60-44. to Puxico, 83-43 winners over Clarkton. Actually, Puxico was the third-place winner, and they had a really good uh, tournament as well at the Bloomfield Christmas Tournament. How about this? Cape Central, 72, Dexter, 36. Popper Bluff winning in the Kaminsky Classic against Union, 63-49. And the game that we were at last night, New Madrid County Central dispatching Notre Dame, 62-45. So any of those teams or games stand out to you from last night? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Jackson's getting a, a big conference win over Kennett, their first their first game since losing to Cape there in the Christmas tournament last weekend. So obviously good for them to get back on the right track. And Cape doubling up Dexter. They're, they're seeming to be kind of firing off all cylinders now as they get healthier and healthier down, down the stretch here. I mean, how good is Cape Central? My goodness. They are. I mean, the, uh, you saw it, you know, all week last week at the Show Me Center, just the athleticism, the dunks that they, they – they throw down, and they can also shoot the three at a, at a pretty good clip. It's it's like they can kind of do everything, and it's you could hear it in the crowd, like the the buzz when they were taking the court and you know going up for those dunks and shooting those threes. Like it was it was kind of a, a palpable energy that you could feel, and you know they're getting healthier, and it it seems like we're kind of trending towards a very exciting Cape Sykeston matchup here in about a month. Speaking of Sykeston, they doubled up Charleston again, eighty nine forty three. They do it at home. I don't know if you saw, there's a little highlight going around of Dontrez Williams had a 360 jam last night. 
uh, at the Sykeston Fieldhouse. And, you know, I talked to you after the SEMO Conference Tournament. We talked about it here on the show that, you know, I felt like that Charleston was an underrated team. They were playing with a chip on their shoulder, and they were the most kind of eye-opening or impressive team in the conference tournament that, you know, were at the champions. But over the last couple of games, boy, they have struggled, struggled offensively against Notre Dame in that third-place game of the of the uh, Southeast Missourian Christmas tournament and here against Sykeston. So, uh, but, boy, good win. Obviously, Sykeston playing good, still undefeated, uh, top-ranked team in state, and uh, coming off that San- dominant Christmas tournament championship. Yeah, it's. I think it's hard to fault. Charleston, uh, especially last night against Sykes, said, I mean, that's, like you said, number one team in the state, still haven't lost the firepower they have. But I think the Notre Dame game was a little concerning, but also, like, in, in a way it wasn't as well. You know, it's you're playing, like, four games in basically five days, and at some point the legs will catch up with you. I don't care how, like, how young you are as a high schooler. Like, the legs will still catch up with you at that point. And, I, I mean, they've proven that they're, they're a better team than I think people gave them credit for coming into the year. And, um, you know, teams go through slumps. You see it all the time in college, NBA, high schools. I, I think that's probably more of just what that is, and they'll figure themselves out as they go down the stretch. How about Metal Heights winning over Oran 82-76? to Good win for the Panthers. Yeah, they were a fun team to watch the tournament. They they got some solid pieces, and they uh, they gave some good games there uh, the first couple of days. And, yeah, I mean, that's a big win uh, over Oran. You know, a sleeper team. They're also in Class Three, and we can talk about down the road how impressive uh, Class Three District One and District Two is. But a, a good win for Scott City, sixty-six to fifty-seven. I thought they had a good showing during the Christmas tournament as well. And a, again, a team that you know coming off of a losing record last year, team that uh, has a lot of the go- those guys returning, some good young freshmen, and you know Chaffee's been struggling, but st- they still have a lot of talent, Clay. But, again, Scott City with a nice victory. Yeah, I really think Chaffee, you know, if they could figure out how to turn it around, like they have the talent, they have the athletes, I think, to be a very good team. It's just hasn't the ball hasn't rolled their way so far, but it's a long season. You know, you're, you're still in January. you still got a couple months. I, I do think Chaffee, just pure athlete-wise, they do have a very good team. And you said Scott City. I mean, looking at the, the performance they had in the Christmas tournament, I mean, I thought they played really, really well. They're a fun team to watch, and, and I think um, – I think that, like you were mentioning, the, the Class 3 districts are uh, certainly going to be fun to watch come late February because I think that's going to be where maybe not all the attention, but a lot of the attention in this area is focused just because of how competitive I think it'll be. There's a coming out party for Cold Deck of Jackson during the Christmas tournament. Again, they got the win 60-44 to over Kennett last night. Um, about a week. About a week or so from now, Clay, is when Blaine Harris is expected to come back for Jackson what a big boost that he will be. I am very curious. And, you know, last week when we talked to Corey Toma, he said he saw it during the summer, Cole and Blaine playing together. But I think for, for everybody, like all of us, to get our first look at how them two mesh together, I think it'll be very, very exciting to watch. And, you know, obviously just getting guys healthy, no matter who's hurt, is just, you know, great for the sport, great for the competition in this area. And, you know, a player of the caliber of Blaine Harris, to have him back on the court for Jackson, I mean, that's going to do numbers. Because they've done a pretty good job at keeping the ship afloat so far this season. All right, well, let's turn to the game that both of us were at last night. It was at Notre Dame Regional High School, New Madrid coming to town. And, you know, we both have seen them a little bit this year, New Madrid. Uh, We've had more of a look at Notre Dame this year. Uh, But New Madrid, boy, they were impressive last night. How about the start in that uh, opening quarter for them against Notre Dame, Clay? An 18 to nothing run to start the game. 
There was dunks galore. I mean, the defense was impressive, forcing 11 Notre Dame turnovers in that first quarter. I mean, wow. I mean, they are a team that is fun to watch. Yeah, I know. I think the highlight of that 18 nothing run, and you po- I saw you posted the reel on SEMO ESPN, was A.J. Ruff going off the backboard <laughs> to Jadis. I wasn't sure if that was A.J. Ruff to Jadis Jones or Dwayne Wade to LeBron, whatever it was, wow. like years ago, well, the Heat and Celtics. That was very, <laughs> very similar. But, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things where when you see Ruff, like, his first instinct is just to go off the backboard. You can't help but kind of chuckle a little bit just because of how talented that team is and how athletic Jadis Jones is. He had, what, I think three three lobs. They had three lobs that he put down for dunks in yeah. the first quarter, and then he, he capped it off with a one-handed dunk. I mean, just an outstanding first quarter for, for New Madrid. I think it was like 24-7 to after right. the first quarter, and it was pretty much just smooth sailing for the Eagles from there. So an impressive showing, uh, Jadis Jones with 20 points. Uh, I had him down for about five rebounds, seven assists, three steals. <laughs> he was impressive. B.J. Williamson, Ramon Brooks each had 14 points last night, and Colton Johnson led the way for Notre Dame with 15 points. So give credit, though, to Notre Dame. Again, they were down 18 to nothing in that first quarter, Clay. They came back with their own 7 to nothing run uh, there at the first quarter. And then, you know, if you look at the, the rest of the game, in the second quarter, the two teams each had 12 points. In the third quarter, New Madrid only outscored outscored them by two. And in the fourth quarter, Notre Dame outscored New Madrid by two. So literally, the game was won in the first quarter because the final three quarters, Clay, the two teams were even. Yeah, You could break it down even farther. The game was probably won in the first three and a half minutes. Right. Like, you know, Notre Dame lost 62-45. If you take away that 18 nothing run or if you chip into that, you know, you're cut it down even. It, I mean, it's a lot closer game, and things things change the way the game's played. I mean, yeah, if you're Notre Dame, like, that 18 nothing run, obviously, I think Coach Brickbeyer called two or three timeouts during that. It's not pretty to watch, but, like, in terms of how you played the rest of the way, like, I don't think you could really hang your head that much because I thought Notre Dame played a pretty solid game. And also one thing to note from that game last night, Clay, who else was in attendance? Brad Corn and it wasn't just Brad Corn. No. There were it was most of the the CMO men's coaching staff uh, were in attendance there, and you know walking out, you saw him uh, talking to Jadis Jones. Didn't obviously stick around to ask how that went, but uh, it was obviously they were obviously there to watch Jadis, and uh, he gave him he gave him a show. Yeah, they talked afterwards. Uh, J.R. Reynolds was there along with Connor Wheeler, two assistant coaches with head coach Brad Corn. Of course, he's the head coach of the uh, SEMO Red Hawk men's basketball team. So, again, to kind of put this in perspective, originally uh, Jadis Jones had committed to play at Coastal Carolina to play football and then also as an add-on to play a little uh, play a little basketball there as well, kind of as a walk-on, so to speak. However, the football coach for Coastal Carolina ended up taking a job somewhere else. So, because of that, uh, Jadis Jones decommitted from Coastal Carolina, so his commitment is open. From from what I understand, is that the kind of recruiting process is is, is over uh, for football, but Jadis is still open to maybe commit somewhere to play basketball. This is where Semo basketball comes in. Maybe the opportunity to swoop him up. Maybe uh, you can Coach Corn can talk a little bit with Coach Tuke and say, "Hey, uh, maybe we can work something out. Get you on the football team too." I don't know, but uh, that would be awesome to get uh, Jadis Jones here locally at SEMO. Yeah, and after the game, I was talking to Dontre Jenkins, and, and he talked about Jadis just really putting in a lot of work you know, on his outside shot, trying to develop that more and more. And he said, 
which to me was like when you hear it, you're like, huh, that, I mean, how could he be more of an all-around player? But he said if once Jadis gets that outside shot down, he is going to be an all-around player. And I mean, you look at the numbers he's putting up already. If he starts to develop a, an outside shot and develop his three, like it, it, it feels like it could be very, very scary if he develops that at a rapid rate. So it's going to be fun to see where his commitment will lie. Uh, again, hopefully that Jadis Jones uh, can land somewhere that – you know, maybe somewhere close to home. So we hope that that for him and, again, wish him the best. And, again, fun watching him last night for New Madrid County Central. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to touch on a number of topics. St. Louis Blues play tonight. Uh, some news for Mizzou football. The Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals caravan coming to town. We'll talk about all those things coming up next here on the CMO Scramble. <laughs> SEMO Scramble here on SEMO ESPN Radio. Clay Harrell, Rusty Hendricks here live in studio. And St. Louis Blues played tonight in Carolina against the Hurricanes. 7 p.m. start there. Uh, they've been playing pretty good hockey of late. They got a good win, one of the best wins of the year against the Canucks on Thursday night with a 2-1 victory. And Robert Thomas already been selected as an all-star as well. He, I mean... Was it? I think it was last week we touched on it a little bit. I don't remember. Uh, you know, you talked to so many, like the Christmas tournament, we talked to so many people throughout the week, and I can't remember what conversations we had, but Robert Thomas is establishing himself as one of, like, a top player in this league because he's he's outperforming guys like Mitch Marner, Leon Dreisaitl, like two guys that are established in this league. Robert Thomas is starting to shoot the puck more, for one, and it's paying off in a huge way. And obviously, you know, his first All-Star, and he's going back home for his first All-Star game to Ontario. So that's uh, that's pretty cool for him, and it's it's pretty cool for Blues fans as well because uh, I think you're kind of starting to see what they saw when they gave Thomas that big extension, yep. and it, it's obviously just exciting times if you're a Blues fan. I think no doubt he's been the most impressive Blues player of the year. I mean, there's some other ones that could be in there, Pareko, maybe Bennington, but, uh, but Robert Thomas has been impressive for the Blues. Yeah, I mean... Pareko, you mentioned it. He's been terrific this year. I think he's on pace for 15 goals and his career highs 10. So uh, that's a that's a huge, huge, huge win for the Blues if he can get to that. All right, Clay. It was announced last night. It became official. The defensive coordinator for Mizzou, Blake Baker, who just signed an extension about a week or so ago for Mizzou. Well, he is now going to be taking his talent, so to speak, to LSU. Of course. He is a Louisiana native. He uh, played at Tulane. His wife played, I believe, soccer at LSU. Has family in the area. He was in a, previously at LSU, so he has ties there again. So after signing that extension, that would have got him uh, over a million or so, close to two million dollars at Mizzou. Now he's going to get over two million at LSU. So a little bit of a pay bump. Pay bump. For him there, but again, I think most importantly for him, he's going back to where he has local ties. Yeah, it's it's hard to I think fault anybody right that that kind of goes that route. You know, going back home for him is obviously huge, and obviously it's a big loss for Mizzou in the season they had at eleven and two. Like anytime you lose a a key coordinator, or a key coach, or a key player, it becomes tough. But you know the talent that they have, the timing 
you know, here it is, January the 6th. That's what is tough to me for Mizzou. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that group, though, they, in terms of the players they have, I think, and who they brought in, I think it's going to be still a pretty exciting year. And I don't know if you've mentioned it yet or not, Rusty, but uh, we'll be diving into some Mizzou football even more later. Yeah, we're going to talk to uh, Connor Tollison. He's the starting center on that Mizzou football team. Of course, he played his... High school football at Jackson High School. We'll talk to him at around 945. Coming up on our next segment at around 930, we're talking with uh, Seth Hudson, Dr. Seth Hudson of Hudson Chiropractic, getting his thoughts on kind of the injury and how that relates to uh, sports and what it works for his profession. So we'll get his thoughts on a few things as well. Real quick, before we turn to the Cardinals, I want to touch on some NFL football uh, here today, a couple of games going on. Again, final week of the regular season for NFL football, Clay, and a lot is on the line. We got uh, you know division titles, we got playoff implications. One of those games coming up at three thirty today: the Steelers and Ravens. Then tonight it's Texans and Colts. Do you have a lean one way or another with either of those two games? I think uh, I think the Steelers are probably you know they should beat the Ravens. The Ravens, I think uh, Lamar, I know isn't playing. I think Tyler Huntley. Starting a quarterback for them, right. and I'll take Texans, Colts, C.J. Stroud back. I'll take the Texans at that one. It's the the first time this year that the Texans haven't played in the noon slot on Sunday, so they are uh, finally getting C.J. Stroud in prime, prime time, and I'll take the Texans. That would be my pick as well. I think the Steelers find a way to get it done. If they win, they are in. Whoever wins the Texans-Colts game, they are into the playoffs. So, again, that is a big game uh, for both of these games today are huge as well. On Sunday, you have Browns, Bengals, uh, Vikings, and Lions. Vikings have to win. If they lose against the Lions, they're done. Uh, Jaguars and Titans, that's a huge game. What's happened to the Jags? Uh, the Trevor Lawrence injury was, I think, obviously you know a big one. It disrupts some rhythm, and when once you get banged up, you're obviously not, not as healthy as you were before. But, yeah, I think that probably had the most to do with it. Other games with uh, playoff implications on the line tomorrow, Sunday, Falcons-Saints. We have a wins that game in the playoffs. Bears-Packers, huge game as well at 325 p.m. on Sunday, Clay. Yeah, uh, Bears-Packers, no matter who's playing it, it's always an exciting one to watch. And and you have to, you know, those rivalry games like the Bears, like their season's done for, but like you get up for those games, you see it at every level. So that'll be an exciting one to watch. Most intriguing game to me, Sunday night on NBC, Bills-Dolphins. You know, Bills, how about this? If they win that game against the Dolphins, they're division champs. I mean, how how crazy is that? I mean, we were talking about, what, four, five weeks ago that the Bills may not even make the playoffs. Yeah, like that was like, I think it was like one of us made the comment, like the Bills are a dark horse super team, a Super Bowl team, and it was like they have to get in first, and now they're they're vying for a division spot, so or division championship. I mean that crazy turnaround. It it is if they win, it you better like AFC teams better look out because I think the Bills could be could be a dark horse to make a run at the Super Bowl. I still think the Ravens represent the AFC, but that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, so that'll be a fun one. Bills and Dolphins Sunday night. All right, so. The St. Louis Cardinals made a trade yesterday afternoon. The Cardinals picked up right-handed pitcher Andrew Kittridge. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Kittridge from Tampa Bay in exchange for outfielder Richie Palacios. So 
Kittridge was a 2021 American League All-Star, compiled a 3.65 ERA in 181 Major League appearances. Your thoughts on that trade, Clay? A-plus. A-plus trade. It's like, what, a fifth or sixth outfielder for a former All-Star closer? I mean, outstanding trade by John Mosellock. And he's only going to be making, what, about a couple million? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a fantastic trade for the Cardinals. And I know people are like, oh, Richie Palacios had a good end of the year. Well, the Cardinals were terrible last year, so it doesn't really matter. Um yeah, I am all for this trade. Uh, obviously, you know, I think more of the the prospect hugging or prospect clamoring comes from the fact that what the Rays did with Randy Rosarena, but I, Richie Palacios is not Randy Rosarena, and I will write that in stone if yes. anybody would like. So um, he wasn't going to play anyway, like, this year. You're not going to play over Newbar. You're not going to play over Walker. Like, maybe if the Edmund injury creeps up more, but, like, that's they're keeping Carlson for a reason. Yep. So uh, he wasn't going to play. Uh, great trade. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I think it's a smart move, really, for both teams. I mean, Palacios is a guy that probably will play in Tampa Bay, and you get another reliever. I think you know, the Cardinals have been looking for guys that they can use to bolster their bullpen. They've added a few guys kind of under the radar, but I don't know. Do you, do you think they're done? Do you think they're done? Is there any more moves before, let's say, spring training for the Cardinals? Uh uh, the move that I would hope that they do make, and Ken Rosenthal said that they are in on, is Dylan Cease. I think that's one that that has like you have to try to get that guy. If he if the White Sox are serious about moving him, like you have to do what you have to do to get him because the way the rotation stands right now, it's it could be ugly for the Cardinals <laughs> this year. Yeah, right now, honestly, my off season grade for the Cardinals, of course, incomplete, but it'd probably be a C plus or maybe a B minus at best. And. When you think about them saying the payroll would go up, I don't really think it even has. Like, well, like what? It, it, I don't know. It, it would come down to like, I think there's already like a mistrust between like the org, the organization, front office, and fans. So if if hmm. they don't go and add, you know, to the payroll like they said they would, and go make this team better, like, I think the noise becomes very, very loud, louder than it already is, and maybe you do start to see more and more empty seats at Bush Stadium, which sounds crazy to say. All right, you're going to get me on a rant here, Clay, but that's part of the, I think, part of the issue with Cardinals fans is the mixed messaging from, you know, the PR, from the meet, from uh, uh, the front office. You know, they talk about, they've said numerous times uh, previously that, look, hey, uh, you know, the Bally sports issue and whether or not, you know, that will continue. That That's not really a factor and into our decision-making. Well, it sure seems that way. You know, coming up, uh, actually, I just heard a report from John Denton saying that he talked to uh, Bill DeWitt III, and he actually said, yeah, it has been a little bit of a factor in their decision-making. Well, also, Clay, it came out this past week that Tommy Edmond, out of the blue, just we just found this out, had surgery on his wrist in October. Of course, he was battling with a wrist injury at the end of the season last year. Again, the media multiple times during this offseason have asked John Mosellock, is there any injury news to report? And the answer has been no, nothing to report injury-wise. However, again, out of the blue, we have a surgery, and I don't know, light bulb maybe that's uh, important news to report <laughs> but so just the mixed messaging uh i don't know if you want to say lying but just kind of the, the hiding of the truth 
is some of the things that they have done. It, it's frustrating, Clay. Yeah, the Tommy Edmund one just when it came out, like it, it shocks you a little bit because there was a lot made at the end of the year when when they didn't hold an end of the year press conference and like they could have, I think, easily rescheduled it. Was like the big thing and. And it kind of seemed to, you know, rub the media members in St. Louis the wrong way. Like, why are we not at least, like, having this opportunity to talk? And then, like you said, when they're asking, like, any injury news, and they're like, no, no, no. And then a surgery that apparently was had in, what, October? Like, uh, that's it's all weird to me. And, again, it, it all comes back to, like you said, the, the, mix, the mixed messages, the, the mistrust between fans and front office. And, you know, I don't think – the front office obviously wants it to be that way, but the the noise has been loud in the social media sphere of, of kind of what to expect from the Cardinals and if people expect anything, and I think it only just gets louder as more and more stuff like this happens. Absolutely, and we'll talk more. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have uh, Dr. Hudson on and to talk about maybe some of the concerns or should there be concerns with some of the injuries with the Cardinals, one of those being Nolan Gorman, and I want to get – in particular, Dr. Hudson's thoughts here coming up here in about uh, five minutes on if the Nolan Gorman, his kind of back issues he's had over the last few years, you know, it's dating back to when he was in high school, I believe. From what I understand, it was originally he kind of injured it uh, lifting weights, and it's just kind of been an issue that he's had to deal with, um, you know, for years to come. So is it going to be an ongoing issue for him and can he get past that? That's a big question to me. So here's my thing, Clay. You, you brought up um, Dylan Cease on if he's maybe a, a still an option. Can you know Rosenthal, the athletic reporter, that they're still in the mix, the Cardinals are. If that's the case, you would expect that the White Sox would probably want a guy like a Nolan Gorman in return. So here's my thing. The medical staff for the Cardinals need to determine – is this going to be an issue for Nolan Gorman going on for the rest of his career? Is it going to be maybe like a Mike Trout type of issue where he just is not the same player as, as he was? Or is this something that he can get past, that he's going to be able to play hundred and you know 140 games a year, be a 40 home run guy, and it's not ever going to really be an issue? So if the Cardinals think that it is, they need to trade him. Trade him while he's high and get a guy like an ace in Dylan Cease if you believe that he's healthy, I don't think left-handed bats that hit 40 home runs grow on trees, Clay. So I think you need to build around them. But that's a big, you know, big question mark. I think that the Cardinals have to figure out. I 100% agree. It, it feels like in there, there has been reporting that they think that maybe they could swing Cease without Gorman. It was if you can, what are we even talking about? Like, if it takes giving up Tank Hens, it would sting, and you know that wouldn't be fun. But like. You got to get what you know and like guarantee. Like, you're, there's no guarantee that Tink Hens is ever going to be half the pitcher that Dylan Cease was. You can project all you want, and it seems like the Cardinals project way too much rather than just you know actually making a deal to help them. If, if it takes Nolan Gorman, like you said, break it down. Is he going to be healthy? You think? No. Okay, here you go. Yes. Okay. Well, maybe we let's try to figure something else out if it's a Brendan Donovan, whatever it is. But yeah, they're at a crossroads right now. It feels like with Nolan Gorman, and it's one that they're going to be having to make a decision on sooner rather than later. Yeah, big decision. We'll see if they make one or not. All right, real quick before we go to break, again, we're going to get Dr. Hudson's thoughts on that question. But real quick, the Cardinals caravan coming to town. It'll be at 5.30 p.m. at the Osage Community Center in Cape Girardeau, Monday, January the 15th. Monday, January the 15th in Cape at the Osage uh, Community Center at 5.30. Uh, Alec Burleson, Drew Rom, Tink Hintz, 
and Sim Roberts will be uh, the players there for the Cardinals caravan. So that should be fun, and I'm sure Clay and I both will will try to get there, maybe get some interviews, and we'll we'll play later on. But um, that's going to be a fun activity, and so if you're a Cardinals fan, uh, there's a chance to see some of the players, ask some questions. Uh, Polo Asensio will be the MC. So a chance to uh, maybe even voice some concerns. So, again, Cardinals Caravan, January the 15th in Cape Girardeau. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk things over with Dr. Seth Hudson of Hudson Chiropractic and get his thoughts on some injury issues of the St. Louis Cardinals and much more when we return. Back in, it's the SEMO Scramble here on SEMO ESPN Radio, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at com. You can also check out the podcast page to listen to this show after the show's over and also previous shows as well. So check that out, the SEMO ESPN podcast page as well. So Clay Harrell, the Southeast Missourian, joins me, Rusty Hendricks, and we're happy to be joined as well on our hotline with Dr. Seth Hudson of Hudson Chiropractic here in Cape Girardeau. And how are we doing today here, Seth? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us and getting your perspective on a few things. So uh, just first off, uh, you played basketball, baseball, football, three-sport athlete at Cape Central. You went on to play college baseball at Murray State. I know I've seen you kind of commenting on some of the Cape Central basketball games. I know you. I think you touched base, maybe watched a little bit of that uh, championship game as well, right? So how impressed are you of the uh, the Cape Central Tigers this year? Man, I, I, they, I'll, I'll just say I, I don't think I'd be on the roster if I was playing this day and age. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, they are pretty impressive, especially with all the injuries and as young as they are. I uh, I was impressed with the limited amount they've all played together at the Christmas tournament, how well they gelled and moved the ball and and uh, got up and down the court. But they uh, they look good on both ends and and uh, man, they they are, they're going to be tough to stop as they as they mesh together and, and keep getting experience with all their healthy players. So it's going to be going to be fun to watch. But man, they're athletic, that's for sure. You know, you mentioned the injuries and just, you know, as a whole, have you seen an increase in athletes needing, like, chiropractic care? And if so, you know, what would be your biggest advice for athletes, just, you know, maybe at any level? Yeah, it's kind of – we've had this discussion many times on different um, – in different settings with my uh, my other associates and also some conferences I've gone to. And I think the increase in training and specialization at a young age has led to some more injuries. But they're also it's led to more education and research on how to prevent those injuries and, and chiropractic and especially people and um, that do things like we do in interest of sports rehab and and developing a team that can that can treat those injuries is uh, is something that's very becoming more common all around the country and, and uh, a big thing for athletes is to, to really focus on on warming up and prehab I call it prehab we give them um, ways to activate their spinal muscles, activate their shoulders, activate their low, you know, their low back and glutes, and it just helps prevent strain and and overuse in in those areas. And and uh, there's a lot more research and development in those areas now that kids know how to how to uh, stay healthy and and how to get healthy quick once they have those injuries. So there's there's a lot more detail than that, but it's it's definitely something that I wish I would have had when I was that age. That's for sure. 
I mean, this may vary on the sport, but what seems to be the most common injury? Well, right now, what we what we see is I think it's from overtraining. It's usually usually a slight uh, low back strain or shoulder or shoulder injury from overuse. More more tendonitis of, of different tendons in the shoulder, and usually glute and lumbar spinal muscle strain is the two most common with young athletes. But it just varies on the sport. But I would say shoulder and, and low back for sure. Yeah, you know. I guess touching on you mentioned the lower back strain kind of segues into the the next question we had for you. The Cardinals have had a couple injuries. Tommy Edmond had a wrist uh, surgery mm-hmm. recently. Obviously, Nolan Gorman's been battling uh, his, the back issues throughout his career. Just looking at you know the Tommy Edmond wrist injury first, you know is that something that being yeah. a switch hitter could be concerning for for a guy like that? You, you know what the as someone that when I was playing, I, I broke a bone in my wrist. And I was my junior year in college, and I was a little worried about it myself. And this is in research and and rehab has gotten so much better in the last eighteen to twenty years, um, and kind of aging myself a little bit. But the uh, the I, I came back and and had no issues with after my surgery. And they had to actually remove a bone out of my wrist because it wouldn't heal. And I came back and and did pretty well. And, and as much as good, you know, as hard as he works and as, as good as rehab is now, I'm not too worried about the wrist. He might. Especially since he's more of a contact, not a power guy, I uh, I don't think it'll it'll uh, set him back much at all, honestly. You know, and I just kind of you mentioned the the development in sports medicine since you know eighteen to twenty years ago. And forgive my ignorance here, I, I don't have a lot of you know knowledge in that. But is that something that has like the development in, has it been rather like rapid in the last like three to five years, or has it been kind of slow? You know, maybe over the last ten to fifteen. Um, I think in some parts of the country it's been relatively slow. I think in the Midwest it's very it's been rapid probably the last five years. It's just like a it's just something that is uh, it's been interesting to, to to see happen really. Well, again, talking things over with Doctor Seth Hudson of Hudson Chiropractic and Cape, and I do recommend him. He has uh, helped me out a little bit before, so appreciate that, Doctor yeah. Doctor Seth Hudson. But uh, you bet. I want to touch base on just again. You played at Cape Central. You played college mm-hmm. baseball at Murray State. How much do you think that has helped you as a car, you know, as a chiropractor? You know, just relating to the different athletes. But it doesn't even have to be an athlete. But just you know, yeah. learning the body and knowing how that works. You've had some significant injuries in your time as well, and just rehabbing from those things. That's right. Yeah, I you know I turned out when I. When I was playing in college, they, uh, I dove for a ball. We were da- playing down at uh, South Alabama uh, University down in Mobile, and I dove and landed funny, and my neck and arm started hurting after I landed a few innings later. It turned out I had an old football injury in my neck that I didn't know about from my kick central days. And uh, that rehab process kind of got me into the healthcare field, so we ended up doing a master's in rehab and, and chiropractic, and it's been fun because – you know, most of the sports injuries you also see in everyday life, you know, weekend warriors and physical labor jobs and factory jobs, it's a lot of repetition and the same kind of thing. It's it's similar to sports injuries, just caused by a different mechanism. And it's been fun being able to relate to some of those injuries because I've been through it and, and it's uh, when they explain it. And it's easy for me to explain what they're what they're going through because I've kind of gone through some of those. So it's, it's fun because that's kind of how I got into it. So it makes it rewarding and enjoyable treating some of those patients because I know what they're going through and I kind of know how long it's going to take to to uh, rehab. Well, one of the reasons 
that we wanted to have you on was a discussion that we had previously in our, in our last segment. I don't know if you had a chance to listen or not, but about yep, about Nolan Gorman. Again, he's been mm-hmm. battling with some uh, some I don't know some back tightness and back issues, and again dating back to when he yep. was even in high school. So again, right. kind of my thoughts on it, Doctor Hudson. If if I'm in the Cardinals' shoes, you know, and I. Again, I know you don't have his medicals. You don't know exactly what's going on there. So you just from an outsider looking in. But if I'm the Cardinals, right. I, I need to take a hard look at you know his medicals and figure out. Okay, is he is this a guy that is this going to be an issue going forward? If it is, I would trade him. I would trade him now. You know, use you know the the, the capital that you have in him to go get an ace. That I feel like that the Cardinals are lacking. But if you right. feel like that he is a guy that you know, can stay healthy, uh, can continue on and have, you know, a good career, then, look, he's a left-handed bat that can potentially hit 30 to 40 home runs. He's a guy that I want to build around, a guy that can be in the right, middle of right. my lineup. So in your professional opinion, as a 23-year-old Nolan Gorman, who's had a little issues and, and that's been lingering throughout his career, for you, would that be concerning? Yes, I, I do think it's especially it depends on, you know, I'm sure they've done multiple MRIs and different sorts of advanced imaging. If there is some sort of um, diagnosis of disc injuries, especially if it's multiple areas of the low back, there's ways to treat it. There's a lot of athletes that have dealt with it over the years that have been pretty elite for a long time with disc injuries in their back. Baseball and the way he's kind of built, he's very he's had some hamstring issues in the past too. So those ha- hamstrings attached to your pelvis and can lead to a lot of dysfunction in your low back as well. Um, I think a lot of his, the way he's built and kind of how he runs and walks, he's very, he's got, he's got his glutes and his legs are massive. He's a, yeah. one of those guys that's all lower legs and usually leads to some hamstring dominance and it leads to some curvature, ex- excess extension in your low back because of how tight his legs are. And I think a lot of his low back stuff comes from how tight his legs and hips are, just kind of the way he runs and, just doing being around athletes and learning biomechanics and I think a lot of it you know and Steph Curry used to in a different sport but he used to really battle hip and ankle issues and they've addressed it with functional training and and just very advanced rehab techniques and he hasn't had knock on wood hopefully get to watch him for a long time he he hasn't had a lot of those issues because of how hard he works in the rehab and training aspect and my guess is they haven't traded him because they see the uh the benefits of some of his rehab and, and the future is probably pretty bright health-wise, or I think they would have traded him. It's my guess. Don't get Clay started on Warriors basketball. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, you got. we can't bring up the injury stuff because I'm going to see him next week, and I've been holding off on buying tickets until I know that they're not. nobody gets hurt. So uh, the, the injury jinx, <laughs> thanks for knocking on wood there. Uh, no, I did. I had some wood next. I got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know. Just real quick before we let you go, what is, what has been your overall thoughts of the Cardinals' off season? Uh, I know that you're you know a baseball fan as well. Just what are your thoughts of what the Cardinals have done so far? Is there anything else that you feel like they should do? I'm going to put your you know your GM hat on here instead of your doctor <laughs> your doctor lab coat here. Yeah, yeah. I you know what? I if I had to give it a, a grade, I'd probably I'd probably rate it a C. Yeah. I think we. I think, yeah, we addressed some pitching. I think the average pitching age that we signed for starters is only a couple years younger than me. (laughs) 
So, and I've been done for a long time. So it's, it's a little concerning because of the age. Like the average age of their starters is like 35 years old, which is, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to be bad. It, it's just, you know, they, you know, I don't recover like I, I used to, and I couldn't imagine what those guys go through on an everyday basis. So it's, uh, you know, a bit concerning, especially that I don't think we have much bullpen help, honestly. And, you know, we just traded traded away uh, another position player to to uh, Tampa Bay, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, yesterday, right. and that you know usually those guys turn into MVP candidates pretty quickly. So <laughs> hopefully that's not the case again. And they, you know, it's it's a bit concerning. We haven't really addressed uh, a young elite starting pitcher, uh, but we'll see we'll see what happens. But that'd be my main concern is just the lack of depth of young arms and how we're not really developing our own arms out of our system and the way we draft pitching hasn't really worked out the last 10 years. We're not developing the young arms and keeping them in our own system. All right. Well, good stuff there from Dr. Seth Hudson. Again, if you're maybe experiencing uh, your own little back problems, I suggest uh, heading on over to Hudson Chiropractic here in Cape. So, Seth, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much uh, for joining us here this morning and getting your perspective from, you know, that medical perspective as well. Yeah, anytime. You, you just call me anytime if you need any advice. Or I, I love talking sports and, and rehab and chiropractic, so I'm always will, willing. All right, appreciate it. You have a good one, Seth. Have a good weekend. You bet. Have a good weekend, guys. Thank you. All right, that was Dr. Seth Hudson here. Uh, appreciate his time and his perspective. So, look, uh, you know, he said that he's not really concerned with Tommy Edmond and that, that wrist injury. He said that, you know, again, not knowing the medicals, not really knowing what's going on, but just kind of reading through the tea leaves, he says that he thinks that the Cardinals are probably banking on um, the success of Nolan Gorman. He, he, you know, for him, he said he, it probably would be a little concerning with his back. However, but you know, he believes if the Cardinals you know, haven't made that trade, they probably believe in him on recovering. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it would be like the opposite. It sounds bad, <laughs> but I was hoping the Nolan Gorman would be like, yeah, not too concerning and. And Tommy Edmond would be maybe a little concerning, but, you know, you kind of know what kind of player he is. But, yeah, I think, uh, obviously, it's hard to make a call like that when you don't have the medicals, like you said. But uh, I guess we'll just see how it plays out uh, over the 162, beginning March 29th, 30th, something like that, when they play the good old Dodgers. That's right. All right, so, again, thanks to Dr. Seth Hudson. Hey, coming up next in our final segment, we're going to talk a little Mizzou football a little Jackson football as well. How about Connor Tolleson? He is the the center there in the offensive line for the Cotton Bowl champs, the Mizzou Tigers, the football squad. He went 11-2 and on the season. We're talking to, again, Jackson native Connor Tolleson. Coming up next, you do not want to miss it. It's right here on the SEMO Scramble. SEMO Scramble here on SEMO ESPN Radio. Clay Harrell of the Southeast Missourian, Rusty Hendricks here on SEMO ESPN. 1220 AM, 93.5 FM and online at com. We're happy to be joined now by Connor Tolleson as he is the starting center on the Missouri offensive line for the Missouri Football Tigers and what a year that they had. But Connor, I want to start off with this. You won a state championship with the Jackson football Indians, what stands out to you from that championship run back in 2020? Mm, I'd say what stands out most 
was just the brotherhood and the friendships we had on the teams um, growing up together, you know. We're about as close as we could have been. In, those were your high school best friends and, you know, your best friends to this day. So I'd say just how tight we were and close we were as a team. You know, Connor, is it obviously, you know, during football season and really year-round, you're a busy guy. Do you get to keep up with Jackson football much or, or not really? I do. You know, I saw that they got a new football coach and they did pretty good this past season, which is great. And I think they'll continue to do well just because of the program that was built there. How was it like uh, under head coach Brent Eckley, again, who, who moved on, of course, but uh, he was your head coach at Jackson High School. Uh, from what I understand, I mean, he was, you know, expected a lot out of his players, but he was, a you know, a solid coach that helped, uh, you know, lead you guys. What, just what was uh, that your time like under head coach Brent Eckley? It was uh, it was amazing. Um, I enjoyed playing for him so much. You know, yeah, he demanded a lot out of us, but he was always going to do a lot. You know, he was doing more than we were. He was going to make sure that he put us in the right situations. He made sure that we knew what we were going to do when we stepped out on the football field. Like, he was an A-plus guy to play for, and, you know, the only coach to win a state championship at Jackson, if that means anything. You know, Connor, I just, you know, jump right into it. You know, you guys took down Ohio State to win the Cotton Bowl. How cool was it, though, just to be able to play in that game for you? Is it, you know, where does that rank in maybe your football career for you? Well, it's probably all time, you know, to play in an environment like that versus a team that has a brand like that and atmosphere that we created. It was an all-time game for me, uh, probably, if not the best, one of them. I gotta ask you. I know for Jackson fans that are listening right now, what's the environment like? How does it compare from the pit in Jackson to Faroe Field at Mizzou? Well, you know, there's just so many more fans. I don't know if you can compare them side by side, but I feel the pit was the best environment I've ever played in. It doesn't quite compare to Faroe Field or maybe even Neely Stadium. But, you know, for high school, it's about as good as they come. You know, you all this year had an 11-2 and season, won the Cotton Bowl. How magical was this year's team? And was that something, you know, coming into the camp, maybe in the preseason, that you guys felt like it could be a pretty special year? Yes. You know, working this off season, I think the team felt like we had something to prove, and we'd been down at all off season. Nobody was talking about us, which doesn't matter because, you know, we feel from the inside anyway. But to just know what we were capable of the entire time, it wasn't a t- I told you so. It was just more proud of ourselves and proud of each other that we knew we could accomplish this. But to just be able to do it is what we were lacking. Well, I've got to ask you this, Connor. In high school, you were a tackle, primarily a left tackle. But in college here at Mizzou, you've switched over as the center how tough of a transition has that been for you going from tackle to center? Well, it ain't been easy. Um, you know, I never snapped in high school. I probably should have. But I never snapped before I got to college. And, you know, this is on my second year playing center now. But I enjoy it a lot. Um, it's it's tough, you know, having to communicate more. And then, obviously, snap the ball, which is the biggest difference. But it's tough. But I enjoy it. It's kind of made the game a lot more fun again getting to, you know, almost 
relearn the game of football or playing the game of football from a different position. You know, kind of building off that, how else do you feel, you know, you've improved as a player? Obviously, that that's a big switch going from tackle to center. Are there other areas, though, that you feel like you've improved as a player? Uh, just getting smarter, watching film. I think I've gotten stronger in the weight room, you know, all around. Well, i got to uh, ask. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, all around, you know, skills and development along with, like, IQ as a football player. So talking things over again with Connor Tolleson, of course, the – Jackson High School alum, but also currently at uh, Mizzou. And I've got to ask you, look, college football playoff expanding to 12 teams next year, Connor. What are the expectations next year for Mizzou football? A number of guys that are returning. Uh, Can this team maybe even be better than it was this year? Yeah, I would say our expectations are to improve. You know, I think we set the standard now. The standard is only going to go up. Um, we were nine this year and would have been in a 12-team playoff, so I think our expectation is just to be, you know, in the same position. You know, we'd like to have less, less losses than we did this year, so improvement's the number one goal. You know, Connor, just the last thing I have for you, you kind of looking at next year for you personally, what are your personal goals? Are you, you know, obviously you still have a couple years of eligibility, but are you thinking about maybe trying to pursue football in the NFL or at the next level? One day, that would always be the goal, just to play football as long as the game lets you. But I wouldn't say my time right now is really focused on making it to the next level. I'd say just getting as much out now and trying to take Mizzou as far as we can. How about head coach Eli Drinkwitz and the job that he has done? I know I was kind of reading a, a newspaper clipping from you uh, in the Missourian, actually, uh, talking about how uh, you were impressed with him, you know, in high school, and that's one of the reasons why you know you you ended up going to Mizzou. So, just how has that been uh, him as a head coach and what he has been like? Honestly, it's been good. I you know believe in Coach Drink out of high school. I'd say the cool thing. You know, so far in our, my journey is just seeing Coach Drink grow as a head coach and how much better he's gotten, you know, from this year to previous years, what's changed. And he's always adapting, which is great. Um, he he knows us players, you know. He knows what we want, how we feel. I think he does a great job connecting with us. Um, yeah, I mean, he's awesome to play for. Did you have a good uh, Christmas break? Did you make it de- back down to, to Jackson? Yes, I did. I did. That's awesome. Well, man, uh, appreciate your time, Connor. Uh, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Again, taking a little time out of your day to do that. And, again, I know Jackson fans are, love hearing from you. And, uh, again, just wishing you the best there at Mizzou. So just uh, stay healthy, keep, keep working hard, and good luck to you next year. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks so much. Again, that's Connor Tolleson, and I appreciate him, the Jackson alum. And, again, Connor Tolleson, now the center, the starting center on the offensive line for the Missouri Tigers. So just a few minutes left before we close close things out here, Clay. Wow, I mean, Connor Tolleson, he's been impressive so far, a guy that's around 6'4". I can remember, you know, in high school, he kind of towered over everybody. He was a bigger guy. I think he was... Boy, I don't remember exactly, but probably around 250 or so in high school. He's listed at 286 now. But, uh, you know, now he has a center in, in college. He's 
maybe one of the smaller offensive linemen. It's just amazing how that transition has gone, but how impressive that he has been and, and making a big impact on Mizzou on a very good Division One program. It's been impressive to see how his growth has been. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it seems like just hearing him talk, obviously big thanks to him for taking time out of his morning to talk with us, but hearing him talk, like it does feel like inside that locker room that they feel pretty good about, you know, going into next year. And obviously, like you said, the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams, it feels like next year could really be a big year for the Mizzou Tigers. So Jackson High School, state champions back in 2020 they were 14 and 0 they finished off that state championship with a 42 to 7 victory over Platt County i'm trying to look at i'm looking at their schedule real quick um they did not allow more than 22 points to any team i'm sorry let's take that back they allowed a, allowed 32 points to cardinal ritter but during that season clay how impressive they were again! Connor Tollison anchoring that on the uh, on the left side. They averaged fifty six points a game on average, giving up only twelve points a game. Again, fourteen and zero state champ. It's their first in their history. That was an impressive season, and Connor Tollison was a big reason for it. Yeah, that's those numbers are like gaudy almost. Like you hear that, and I'm just sitting here shaking my head. That is incredibly impressive. Obviously, I wasn't uh, covering sports in this area, so I didn't get a chance to see that team play. But I've heard a lot about it. Just over the like the last year and a half or so covering sports here, but I mean just insane numbers for sure. Well, Clay, um, I know you've been a little under the weather, so hopefully you can take some time to rest a little bit this weekend. But what are, what's going to be on the docket for you? Maybe what are you keeping an eye to right now over this weekend? All golf, man. PGA Tour started back up uh, this week. I know there's some people that like are kind of frustrated with how the weeks went with the players shooting such low numbers. Like the the leader, the cut was eight under. So, uh, I mean, people don't like that, but I'm just glad golf's back on. They're out in Hawaii. Uh, is out in Hawaii, is that a proper proper saying, I guess? Sure. Out, over, wherever. <laughs> They're there. I'll also be, I guess, still checking in on the Warriors. Disappointing one to the Nuggets the other night. But, uh, uh, yeah, that'll be kind of on my docket. Some some of the Blues every now and then, I guess. Blues well. tonight, and then uh, want to watch any NFL football? I guess. I don't have an NFL team because I can't do it. I let one loss, like, really, you know. Make me mad. So if I had to watch my NFL team lose and then wait a week to watch them play again, it would not be a fun time. Last thing, you got about 10 seconds. you got Michigan or Washington. Who's Michigan. your pick? Michigan? Yeah, Michigan. Michigan's my pick as well. All right. Well, Clay, appreciate the time, man. Clay Harrell, Rusty Hendricks here on the SEMO Scramble. Folks, have a great rest of your weekend. You've been listening to the SEMO Scramble on SEMO ESPN. You've been listening to the SEMO Scramble on SEMO ESPN. Tune in every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 for a dash of hometown pride right here on the SEMO Scramble. Yes, don't miss the latest news, scores, and stories that matter most to local sports enthusiasts. From the Blue Hill and beyond. Right here on SEMO ESPN 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, the SEMO ESPN app, and at SEMOESPN.com.